Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The gospel lesson for today is from John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71. This can be found on page 1060 of your pew Bible. Many disciples depart from Jesus after misunderstanding his teaching regarding eternal life. However, those who truly believe in him recognize him as the Son of God. A reading from John chapter 6, beginning with the 60th verse. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. When I was in college, one of the most difficult classes I took was organic chemistry. I remember on the first day of class, my professor said to us, by the end of the semester, more than half of you will have dropped out of this class. Not the most encouraging thing that you want to hear on the first day. And I quickly realized this was the real deal. I couldn't be half-hearted about this class, but if I wanted to pass, I had to be all in. That means I had to change my whole schedule and lifestyle that semester to meet the demands of that class. I spent three times as much time studying for that one class compared to my other classes. I gave up on having any kind of social life during the weekends. And sure enough, just as my professor said, the further we went into the semester, students began to drop out like flies. And by the end of the semester, less than half of us remained in the class. Over the last few weeks, we have been going through some pretty intense teachings of Jesus in our sermon series called The Prophet. And I'm happy to announce that today we're finally at the end of the series. Praise the Lord. I want to commend you all for not dropping out of the series, but for sticking with it, even though it's been incredibly hard. And maybe in these last few weeks, it dawned on some of you, like it did for me, that this is the real deal. There is a real cost to following Jesus. 
and consequences when we don't. We can't be half-hearted about this, but if we really want Jesus, we have to be all in. And in reality, this is really hard to do, especially when we have our own expectations and agenda of what we think it should look like. And that's what we're going to find in today's story in John chapter 6. Up to this point, Jesus had a very popular ministry. He was the sought-after rabbi of his time. His profound teachings and extraordinary miracles attracted thousands of followers. When the crowd witnessed his latest miracle in John chapter 6, multiplying bread to feed the 5,000, people claimed Jesus was indeed the true prophet who has come into this world. They were so amazed by Jesus, they wanted to make him their king. And perceiving their thoughts, Jesus withdrew to a mountain to be alone. But they were determined, and they tracked him down, following him all the way across Capernaum, across the other side of the sea. They were hungry for Jesus. And that sounds like a good thing, right? To be hungry for Jesus. But take a look at what Jesus says to them when he sees them in verse 26. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Mm. Here Jesus exposes the true motive of the people. They didn't follow him because of who he was, the son of God, the savior of the world. No, they were hungry and they wanted more free lunch. They thought, wow, this guy can provide free bread. I don't have to work another day in my life. I could just follow him around. Seeing Jesus multiply bread probably reminded them of Moses and the time their ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. In fact, they bring this up to Jesus, asking him to prove himself yet again with another sign, as if what he just did wasn't enough. The people were looking to Jesus to be a type of Moses who would provide for their physical needs. Daily bread, leadership, and protection from Israel's enemies. Not only did they want Jesus to fill their bellies, but they had a political agenda to make Jesus their king who would overthrow their Roman oppressors. But Jesus reminds them that that's not why he came to earth. He wasn't there to meet their own expectations of provision, protection, or power. He was there to save them from their sins and to give eternal life. Jesus wasn't there just to give bread to people. He was there to be bread for mankind. As I've been meditating on this passage, I couldn't help but wonder how often do we do the same thing to God? In our hunger for earthly provision, protection, or power, do we follow Jesus for what we can get from him? Or are we following him for who he is, the true bread from heaven that gives life to this world? You know, in the past, I would often hear this saying, seek God's face, not just his hand. And when I first heard this saying, 
I was so convicted as I examined my prayer life and realized that a lot of the things that I prayed about were things that I needed from God rather than simply being with him for who he was. Is anyone else guilty of doing that? Or maybe that was just me. Thank you for your honesty. So you might be thinking, well, then is it wrong to seek God for things? Not at all. In fact, Jesus even instructed us in Matthew 7 to ask, seek, and knock. For we have a heavenly father who loves to give good things to, our, to his children. So it's not wrong to seek God for things. But the issue lies when that's all we come to him for. You see, there's more to life than just having our physical needs met. That's why Jesus said in verse 27, don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. As long as we're on this earth, the need for physical things will keep on coming. Whether it's in finances, health, or relationships, the need for provision in this life are endless and our focus cannot be primarily on those things. Here, Jesus points us to a greater spiritual reality that he not only came to give bread to people, but that he is bread, which sustains us for all eternity. Read along with me what he says, starting in verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. I want you to imagine being part of this crowd. Ever since Jesus, the great miracle-working prophet, appeared, you and thousands of others have been following him for days, hoping to catch a glimpse of him doing another miracle. Traveling has made you quite hungry or hangry, and you're disappointed that Jesus is not giving you more miracle bread. You're also disappointed that he's not following your political campaign to be King Jesus who can overthrow the Romans. He still seemed like an outstanding leader, someone worthy to follow. But what is this talk of his eating his flesh and drinking his blood? What's up with that? How can this man give us this flesh to eat? It's weird, gross, and highly offensive. You see, this was a little too extreme than what the people had signed up for. They just wanted a Jesus who could meet their physical needs, their needs for provision, protection, and power. And not only was he not doing that, but he's saying that believing in him is like eating his body, and that was a deal breaker. Actually, that was also one of the reasons why the Romans persecuted the early church. They thought Christians were cannibals. They actually thought that they were in through the sacred ritual of communion, feasting on people's flesh and blood. And although now we know that Jesus didn't mean this so literally, I do find it interesting that he didn't try to explain himself to the crowd. 
or correct their misunderstanding. What that tells me is that the gospel can be offensive. And following Jesus can sometimes make us feel uncomfortable. We want a Jesus who can meet our needs. We want a Jesus who will bless our plans and agenda. But what happens when he doesn't meet our expectations for provision, protection, and power? Will we stick around or will we drop out like many of his followers? Let's read what happens to them starting in verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now imagine that you're a pastor of the fastest growing megachurch, and in a single day, most of your congregation leave because of something you've said. I can only imagine the shock, betrayal, and the rejection that Jesus felt when he saw all those people who once cheered for him, worshiped him, wanting him to be their king, suddenly turn their backs on him and leave. I can picture Jesus in his humanity, feeling hurt, rejected, vulnerable, turning to the 12 who are not only his disciples, but his closest friends, saying, what about you? Do you want to go away as well? You know, there comes a time when almost every believer will have to answer this question at some point in their faith journey. When life gets really hard and you're feeling lost, hurt, uncomfortable, and confused, when it seems like Jesus is not answering your prayers or meeting your expectations, for provision, protection, or power. Like when a loved one you pray for isn't healed, or when a marriage falls apart and is not restored, when a prodigal you've been praying for is still far from home, when you desire a godly spouse and you're still single, or when you're desperate to find work and you can't pay the bills. It's in these times of discomfort when we can get hurt and even offended at God, wondering if following him is really worth it. Can I be real honest with you guys? I want to be really honest. I've been walking with Jesus for nearly 30 years now. And there are times when I still wrestle with this question. My relationship with God 
is like any human relationship. It's complicated. I love Jesus with all my heart, but there are things that I just don't get. And times when I have been deeply hurt and offended by God, especially when he didn't meet my expectations in the way that I think or in the time frame I want. Five years ago, I was receiving inner healing prayer here at Sandwich Church. And for those of you who aren't familiar with inner healing prayer ministry, it's when we intentionally create space to encounter God in a place of deep wounding. There's usually a trained prayer team that facilitates the time, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus and his truth to the one in need of healing. And sometimes what happens in these prayer sessions is that people will actually experience beholding Jesus in their hearts and in their minds that release incredible healing and freedom to a past hurt or trauma. If you're interested in learning more about this ministry, you can speak to me after the service and we can talk about it. So I was in the middle of this inner healing prayer session when one of the women who was leading the prayer asked the Holy Spirit to reveal a time in my life where I needed healing. And to my surprise, the Lord brought to my mind a very specific memory. I was in my 20s undergoing a biopsy for a tumor that they had discovered. This wasn't even the the first biopsy. This was actually the second biopsy that I was going through. And I remember feeling vulnerable and scared being in that exam room laid out on that table. And even though they did give me some local anesthesia to numb the area, the procedure was incredibly painful. I remember closing my eyes tight and just calling out to Jesus in my mind. But the pain was so great that I really could not sense his presence at all. There's something about pain that clouds our ability to see Jesus. It wasn't until after the ordeal was over that I got into my car and it finally hit me what I had just gone through, that tear just started coming down. And I sensed the Holy Spirit comforting me then. But when I was actually going through the biopsy, I felt disconnected from God. And so as the Holy Spirit brought this memory to my mind, the person leading the prayer asked Jesus to reveal where he was at that time. And so we waited in the silence. And with every passing moment, it became increasingly uncomfortable. For the longest time, I could not visualize Jesus in my mind. All I could feel was the tension, the discomfort, and the pain. It felt like I was waiting for hours and hours, but in reality, it was probably just several minutes. And finally, Jesus did appear. And I was able to see him in my mind's eye. But what I saw completely shocked me. There I was, visualizing myself in that exam room, being on that table in pain. And when Jesus appeared to me in that room, he didn't come to me in his glory and in his splendor. He didn't come to me in his glorified, resurrected body. 
But he came in his crucified body. He was bruised, bloody, broken, just flesh coming apart. And as he approached me, he extended his hand. And as he extended his hand, he said, this is my body broken for you. And I was undone. In that place where I was most vulnerable and weak and afraid, that was where Jesus met me, crucified. Seeing his body broken like that, I realized this is why he came to earth. He took on the weight of our sins, everything that's wrong in this world, all the pain, all the suffering, and he placed it on his own body at the cross. Isaiah 53, 4 says, surely he has borne our illnesses and carried our pain. That's every kind of pain you can imagine. Physical pain, emotional pain, mental anguish. Jesus took on all that pain upon his own body at the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquity. And it is by his wounds that we are healed. Jesus, the bread of life, who was perfectly whole, came down from heaven and was torn apart and broken for our sins. This is why the sacrament of communion is so powerful and why we do it together as a church every Sunday. Whenever we come to the Lord's table, we partake of Jesus, his living body, the living bread, so that we can receive the nourishment and the sustenance that we need for this life in our spirit, soul, and bodies. Amen. This morning, there might be some of you here in this room where you find yourself in that uncomfortable space where it's been hard to see Jesus. And if that's you, I want to encourage you that he is there. Jesus is with you. Even when our faith feels weak, Jesus is with you. And he will never let you go. He is the stronger one in this relationship. And he's done the hardest part. He's given us his body and his blood. And because of that, even though we go through things in this life that we may not fully understand, we can continue to put our trust in Jesus and do what Peter did and say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. May these words be true for us as we put our hope in Jesus, 
who gives life eternal. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.